Listeners, if you haven't had a chance to do it yet, pick up your copy of the 101 DB Tips ebook. It's the ultimate reference guide for defensive back play. If you're a player, a coach, or a trainer of defensive backs, then this is something you absolutely have to have in your library. I discuss everything in this book from playing man-to-man coverage, to zone coverage, to how to train, to how to improve your footwork, your eye discipline, and body control. Literally everything pertaining to defensive back is covered in this book. Over 20 years of playing, coaching, and training defensive backs has gone into the making of this ebook, and I'm proud to say that it has helped players and coaches from the little leagues all the way to the college level. Make a point to check this book out now. If you're serious about being the best at what you do, make that purchase. You can find the book by going to 101dbtips.com. That's 101dbtips.com. This is the Indie Drills Podcast, and I'm your host, Chad Wilson. I'm also the owner of All Eyes DB Camp and author of 101 DB Tips. In this podcast, we're going to be talking about any and everything having to do with defensive back play. From technique to current events, we'll cover it all just like the guys in the back half blanket the wide receivers. I have over 20 years playing and coaching and training in this game, and I'm ready to use all of that experience to bring you the best experience in the Indie Drills Podcast. So let's go. Hey, welcome to the initial Indie Drills podcast. Uh, this has been a long time coming. Been wanting to do an all DB podcast. For those of you who know me really, really well, I also run Gridiron Studs and gridironstuds.com. Been doing a Gridiron Studs show for about seven years over there now. That's a podcast that I've been running for a while. Um, do a show uh, with my co-host, Emil Calamino, but I wanted to do an all DB podcast. And finally, I'm sitting down and saying, I'm going to get this done. There were some things that I wanted to talk about uh, in this initial program with guys that were uh, listening to this show. So welcome to all you coaches, to all of you players, to all of you trainers that are tuning into this. I appreciate you listening to the show. Plan on doing one of these every week. Well, let me not say every week. There'll be weeks when, you know, we just don't have shows, but you know, as much as possible, trying to stay on a regular schedule doing these right here because, hey, man, we all love defensive back and somebody's got to talk about this kind of stuff. It's an offensive world now. It's fantasy sports taking over and everybody wants points and they want yards and touchdowns for the wide receivers and they want to see Patrick Mahomes throw for 50 and 60 touchdowns every year. But we've got to talk about this side of the ball and in particular defensive back play. So I am happy to bring you the Indie Drills podcast. Go ahead and save this thing. Make this a place that you want to be each and every week. Don't miss an episode because you know what? Not a lot of people talking about the stuff that I'm going to talk about here on this show. Letting you know the kind of stuff that we're going to have coming up here. I'm going to talk about some technique. I'm going to talk about the current news that's out there about defensive back. I'll throw some questions out there. Even accepting questions from guys that are out there that check me out on my platforms, whether that's Instagram or it's even TikTok now or Twitter. You guys that are listening to me and and taking in um, all of my social media networks and stuff like that, taking questions from you guys. So I will have a question from a viewer. Let me just say that, if for lack of a better term, 
but I, I will be taking questions, even YouTube as well, doing really, really well on YouTube. First of all, I want to thank any and all of you guys that are checking me out on all of the social media platforms that I'm on. My YouTube channel has grown really, really well. Um, definitely appreciate guys checking out that stuff and taking it in there. It's really, really there to help you. I appreciate all the members that I have in the All Eyes DB Camp members area. If you've made that investment into yourself, I'm, I am I feel pretty good that it's paying off for you. So I really want to thank all of you guys that are All Eyes DB Camp members um, and you know, all of you guys that check me out on Twitter and Instagram, etc. But I want to give a special shout out to all of you that have purchased the 101 DB Tips ebook, and that is going to be the sponsor of the show until we start getting some other sponsors in here. So I definitely want to really pub that up. Their feedback on it has been great. I've got college coaches and high school coaches purchasing the book. Of course, players at all levels. I've got dads buying it for their young DBs out there, as you guys may or may not know. I don't really train guys that are younger than 13 years old. But you can learn a lot as a youth football player if you're 9 and under or you're 8, 7, even 7 all the way up uh, and through. You can learn quite a bit from the 101 DB Tips ebook. So if you're a dad out there and you want to do a little stuff out there with your kid, maybe you use that as a bond, and you're not entirely sure of the correct way to do some things, this is a great book for you. You know, get out there with your seven and eight, nine year old, your 10 year old, get out there and show them some things, man. And if you get around to 13, 14 years old, you know, they're tired of listening to you at that point anyway. You're telling them to do their homework, you're telling them to make up their bed clean the room do the dishes they get tired of hearing all that stuff so they don't want to hear you know from you uh when it comes to football and other that other great stuff too if you get to that point with them and you want to start having them go to a trainer that's fine but at that young age man maybe you do spend that time bonding with your son and this book can help you with that so it's 101 db tips it helps you out there's tips in there on man coverage tips in there on zone coverage how to train technique um, just about everything in there, coaching, studying film. It's really a combination of all the things that I have learned both as a player as well as a coach and now as a trainer. Some of the stuff that I've found myself repeating over and over and over in my training sessions, I started getting those things down on paper, eventually made it into an ebook. And again, the feedback on it has been absolutely great. It feels good to know that I'm helping guys out there reach their the top of their game. So, um, uh, you know, I would urge you if you are a coach, trainer, player of this game, definitely make that investment and go get your copy of 101 DB Tips. I've made it very simple for you. Just go to 101, 101dbtips.com and you can get your copy there today. All right, let's get into some things here. Uh, first of all, this was a hotly contested question. If you follow me on Instagram, uh, I do have a which one segment that I try to post every Friday. I ask a question out there and sometimes it gets, you know, a little controversial with the questions and the answers. And, and, and then, you know, that's a little bit of what I'm striving for. You know, I want to come up with a really good question that, you know, has people thinking out there. And this particular question indeed had people doing that. And the question was this. If you've got three legendary defensive backs, Ed Reed, Brian Dawkins, Troy Polamalu, and you've got to put one guy, you got to leave one guy at free safety, you've got to move one guy to nickel, and you've got to move one guy to cornerback, how would you do that with those three guys? Now, there were all kind of answers, of course, 
But the most dominant answer that I saw in the comment section on this particular question was put Ed Reed at corner, put Brian Dawkins at free safety, and you put Troy Palomalo at nickel. And there are a number of reasons for that. I understand the reasons why guys would have that as a lineup. I totally get that. And to be honest, listen, you probably could do really well if you do that. First of all, these are three very good football players. So they're going to play football. And what you also is going to realize is that these guys are winners. So they're going to find ways to win. But basically what I was looking for when I asked that question is what's going to be the best lineup for you? And in my opinion, the best lineup is this. And I'll explain to you why right after. I would leave Ed Reed at free safety. I would take Brian Dawkins and move him to cornerback. And I would have Troy Palomalo at nickelback. Why would I do that? First of all, I heard guys, I did hear some people say that Ed Reed was the quickest and that's why they would put him at cornerback. I disagree with that. Uh, it's not the quickest. The quickest of those three guys um, is Troy Palomalo. My eye showed me that. And the statistics also say that. Troy Palomalo had the fastest 40 time coming out. He ran a 4-3-3 coming out. Yes, I know USC in those days would run their 40-yard dashes on pro day, on a track, and sometimes guys had spikes. Let's say he did have spikes on. I don't remember exactly if that was the case for him when he went and ran his 40. Most likely that's what it was. So let's add a tenth to his time. 4-4-3 is still faster than what Dawkins and Ed Reed would do. If we're just talking about a 40-yard dash. But that's not everything. If you just watched all of them play, the quickest out of those three is Troy Polamalu. So I would have him covering as a nickel back on the inside because you know you're going to get a lot of the quick receivers in there you're going to get the hunter renfros you're going to get the cooper cups you're going to get those kind of guys there that are super quick on the inside and i think troy palomalo physical gifts wise is probably going to be your best matchup there but here's here's the big thing the essence of coaching which is what we're essentially doing here. We're putting guys in position. See, essence of coaching is trying to put guys in position to succeed and to win. And the biggest way you do that is have guys do what they do best. And I think out of all three of these guys, the guy that played their position the best out of those three guys is Ed Reed at free safety. You could not find a better center fielder than that guy. He made a ton of plays all over the field, but a lot of his great plays were on the hash or in the middle of that football field. And since that's the best thing that I'm going to get out of those three guys, I'm going to make sure that I get that first and then I'll deal with everything else from there. So I would keep Ed Reed in the middle of the football field or at least high over the other two guys and whatever else I'm running with. So Ed Reed, being the best at what he does, being the best out of those three at this thing, I would leave him at free safety. Why would I use Brian Dawkins? Obviously, you can either say it's process of elimination. I just told you the reasons why Troy Palomalo would be the best nickelback. I just told you the reasons why I would have Ed Reed sitting back there at free safety or, you know, sitting on the hash or in the middle of the field. So you could say process of elimination. But it's not just that. Brian Dawkins is a big guy. I could see him being a primarily press corner, getting his hands on guys, rerouting guys. Would he, you know, probably get routed up at some point? Yeah, you know, that'll happen. And just so you know, I don't think any three of these guys would have been elite cornerbacks in the NFL. 
Would they have been good? Like I said, they're guys that were winners and they would have figured it out. Would they have been elite cornerbacks? Would they have been a Rod Woodson? Would they have been a Deion Sanders? Would they have been a Champ Bailey? No, they physically were not constructed that way, so they would have had some limitations there. But I just think if you get, you understand why Troy Palomalo is the matchup to have inside because of his quickness. You understand why you have Ed Reed deep. Brian Dawkins now is that guy that goes to cornerback, and I think he can bring the toughness. Uh, he could bring the savvy, and you know what? He... All three of these guys had great instincts. So even if you decide to move Brian Dawkins off and play him off in some zones and stuff like that, the guy was really, really savvy. So I think he would do really, really well as a cornerback and allow the other two guys to do some things that I think that they would really do great. So that's my answer to that question right there. Um, How would I line those guys up? I realize that it's not um, necessarily... You know what most guys would have done because, as I said, the the biggest answer that I got there was Ed Reed at corner and Palomalo at nickel and and Brian Dawkins at safety. Like I said, that's a good match. That's a that's a good way to do it. Not personally, what I would do. Moving on to the next thing that we have here, uh, I want to take a question every week. Like I said, from one of the uh, listeners, viewers, etc. Uh, I'm typically going to take those questions in my DMs from Instagram. But, you know, if you're listening to this and you came from Twitter, if you want to throw a question into my DMs over there, Twitter, it's 101 DB Tips. Uh, you can find me there on Twitter um, or anywhere that, you know, if you want to, you know what, I, let's let's do this. One other great way that you can get that question to me each week, and I, I'm only going to choose one question. Uh, I do, though, want to see all the questions that everyone has out there because it's, it's good to get those questions. And I may just answer your question either by... Uh, te- uh, not text, but by email or, you know, in my DMs, I might answer it back. But only one of these questions I'm going to be able to take on the show when I do it. So having said that, I got a question in here that I got in my DMs. And, I, you know, there's a qu- kind of a question that I get uh, quite often. I just wanted to address this one. Razor from Fresno, California says, I keep ending up on my heels and splitting my feet when he's in press. There is... A couple of major reasons why this happened. And the most common reasons are this. Number one, you are aligned too close to the receiver when you are in press. And what that causes is for you to panic off of the very first move that that player makes. That puts you on your heels and it splits your feet. You're so close. If if you're going to line up, listen, I'm primarily talking high school football here now. So for all the high school football players that are able to do this, Fine. If you're able to line up really, really close to a wide receiver, because I think after high school, college football wide receivers aren't going to let you line up so close that you could touch them right now. But if you are close, aligned close enough to that wide receiver that you could touch him immediately, then that's exactly what you need to do. Otherwise, that wide receiver's first step, whether it's to your left or to your right or even straight at you, is going to put you at a disadvantage. That first step left or right is going to put you in chase mode because he's going to be even with you at that first step. And the problem there is you're looking one way and he's looking the other. He's facing upfield, you're facing downfield. By the time you get your body turned around to go up the field with him, he's already has he already has a step or two on you. 
And if you continue to line up like that and you let him get off without touching him, you're going to find yourself in chase mode very often. And your fear of being in that chase mode is what's going to make you panic on that first step. And what's panicking when we are playing press? That is splitting our feet and getting on our heels. That is the essence of panicking when we are in press coverage. So to correct that, you either A, get hands on that wide receiver right now, whether that's a two-hand jam or a stab to his chest, or you back yourself up to about a yard and a half, maybe two yards, depending on how you're, you know, you respond to the quickness of that wide receiver coming off the line of scrimmage. But that is going to keep you out of panic mode. That's going to allow you to move a little more smoothly. That's going to make you feel a little less stress when that guy makes his first move. And now you can take better steps. I also recommend a peer step. Um, it's hard to really explain these things when you know I'm doing this on a podcast. But I do have information on this in the All Eyes DB Camp members area. And I believe I may talk about this on the AllEyesDBCamp.com website. By the way, I didn't plug that in the beginning. But there are a ton of great articles on AllEyesDBCamp.com talking about uh, all kinds of things having to do with defensive back. I can't even get into it. But basically everything there, I touch on the basics there and then I go more in depth in the All Eyes DB Camp members area. But um, you know, if you're playing off a yard and a half, two yards, and you don't just want to stand there and wait for the DB to come to you, and for, and for a lot of guys, I think it's important in press coverage for them to know what their first step is going to be and not necessarily have that first step be a reaction off of what the wide receiver does, is, you know, if you're aligning outside shade of that wide receiver, you're a yard and a half, two yards off, take a step with your inside foot towards the receiver. And when I say towards, I mean laterally towards the receiver, not forward towards him, but laterally. Take a tiny first step. It's a timing step, basically. People have all kinds of names for it, pressure step, peer step, whatever, all kinds of different names. I just call it a timing step. You know, I've come from a world where I, you know, taught youth baseball. And, you know, if you've watched any kind of baseball at all, whether or not you played it or not, if you've watched a baseball game, you'll see the pitcher pitch the ball to a batter you will notice that batter take a step before he either swings the bat or you know even if he doesn't swing he takes that timing step to ready himself to swing the bat and hit the ball this is the same thing that's going on with press press coverage and hitting a baseball have so many similarities it's not even funny but you've you take that first step. It's a predictable step. It's not based on the wide receiver. So you, you, that first step is a comfortable step that you know you're going to take. And then from there, you read the wide receiver. I don't want to get into a whole press dissertation here. But to answer the question, the major reason why you are ending up on your heels and splitting your feet is you're aligned too close to the receiver. The other thing is most likely your eyes are jumping from the waist up to the chest of that wide receiver and you're being blown away by the quickness of his shoulders moving can't stress this enough you've got to keep your eyes down and press you've got to do drills on that i just posted a video two weeks ago on my youtube channel about you know drills you can do for press when you're alone at the park and these drills seem simple but they are great drills to not only teach you how to use your hands but where to keep your eyes once that wide receiver moves it's super, super important. Too many guys 
start off with their eyes on the wide receiver's waist and then the moment that wide receiver moves their eyes go up to the shoulders and now they're getting fooled by the quickness of the shoulder moves that puts your feet apart because that's panic it puts you on your heels and when your feet split and you go on your heels your hands are going to drop to your sides that's just kinetics that's just biology that's just physics that's whatever you want to call it it is a natural reaction of your hands to drop down to your sides when you go onto your heels and you split your feet. So all three of those things are really terrible things to have happen when you are trying to press a wide receiver. So uh, to answer you, Razor, back yourself up to a yard and a half, two yards off, and then also work on drills that keep your eyes down when that wide receiver moves, especially when you're shooting the hands. Guys like to shoot their hands and see what they're hitting. They want to see the shoulders when they're shooting the hands. That is not necessary. If a guy's waist is, uh, if you can see a guy's waist, trust me, his shoulders are right above that. I make that guarantee to you. A guy's shoulders are right above the waist. If you see a guy that that is not true, it's going to be the most odd person you've ever seen in your life. All right, Razor, so I hope you're listening to that. And anyone else who struggles with that, a lot of DBs do struggle with that. Um, I hope you took notes on that. Back yourself up a little bit. Most guys, uh, when they're young DBs, line up too close to the wide receivers anyway, for whatever the reason um, they, they tend to do that. So back yourself up a little bit and um, take some of the pressure off. All right, I wanted to get into... Um, the top cornerback duos coming up in the NFL this year. This is just my opinion on this, obviously. Uh, opinions will vary. People listening to this will not agree. But um, one thing that uh, I think is really, really great coming out of all of this is that we did get some, uh, by, by way of offseason moves, we did get some great pairings of cornerbacks out there. And this was something that's been kind of lost um, I don't, you know, whatever the case may be, like I said, in outset, this has turned into a really offensive game. And I don't know if teams have not seen the importance of, you know, having top guys on both sides of the field. It's something that used to happen more in the 80s and 90s. You would have these really, really great duos. Um, you know, one of the most recent ones that guys could think about is you, you had uh, Darrell Rivas and Antonio Cromartie. You did in the Legion of Boom. You had uh, Brandon Browner and Richard Sherman. Um, you know, prior to that, in the in the early two thousands, um, guys down here locally, Sam Madison and Patrick Sertan was a great duo. Duo. It was something you saw more often though in the eighties and nineties and maybe the early two thousands. For whatever reasons, we've gotten away from that. But you know what? We've got some great duos coming up. Maybe it's maybe cornerbacks are coming back. Maybe the cornerback duos are coming back. So I want to talk about some of the great. Uh, duos that are out there and just kind of give my thoughts on what I thought the, the top uh, cornerback duos would be for this year. You know, I could be a little bit biased, but um, here goes my thoughts on this. And I'm going to just start with a couple of guys that I, I have a top three in terms of duos, but I want to talk about before I get into those top three, I want to talk about some of the other duos that are out there. Um, one is Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed. Listen, I'm here to tell you, listen, Sauce Gardner is a definitely a talent in this league he's he's going to be a really really good cornerback 
He's in New York. He has the name Sauce, and he has a personality. That has led to a little bit more dip being on his chip. I really want to see Sauce Gardner's second year before I start handing out any accolades. You know, fans, they love to go crazy, and of course, New York fans are always looking for a reason to be happy, especially New York Jet fans, because typically they've just not had a lot of great times as a franchise so they're all over sauce and you know being in that big market it has fueled him i'm not one that's going crazy on sauce gardner 20 pass breakups doesn't mean you're doing something good in this league but i'm not going haywire i do know that dj reed on the other side of him played solid ball last year i think that is going to be a noteworthy duo and i think the addition of aaron Rodgers on the offensive side will probably help this defense you know they'll get points they'll have some leads they'll be able to pressure the quarterback and there'll be more errant throws and i think sauce gardner and dj reed might have more opportunities at turnovers you know sauce gardner only had one interception last year he did drop a couple but i think he'll have more opportunities at uh, making some plays this year unless he goes off in the early part of the year and then you know they'll start trying to avoid him this is when having a good guy on the other side of him like dj reed will help uh, otherwise, in Tampa, this solid duo that kind of doesn't get a whole lot of pub, but Jamel Dean and Carlton Davis have been solid. Jamel Dean was a free agent in the offseason. The Buccaneers were successful in getting him back. I think that's a good thing. These two guys are solid. Like I said, not really noteworthy um, in terms of publicity. You know, Tom Brady was getting all the pub. Uh, Mike Evans was getting all the pub over there on the uh, for Tampa Bay over the last few years but quietly Jamel Dean and Carlton Davis have been doing good work over there I don't think enough has been said about the kind of work just as a whole the Washington Commanders did in the secondary last year they were really really good guys uh, so if you're looking if you're a young cornerback out there you are you know a coach out there looking to um, you know, help your guys out. You want to give them some material to look at, man, check out those guys out there. Just look at the, the secondary last year for the Washington commanders, everything from the safeties to the cornerbacks, but the duo of Kendall Fuller and Benjamin St. Juice, um, were really, really good last year. Uh, there was a lot of good technical stuff there and, you know, Fuller, obviously, you know, a, a veteran in this league, but St. Juice is a young guy that's going to only continue to get better. He's very technically sound. He did a lot of good things there. And I just think between this veteran and this younger guy, I think they're going to be a really, really good duo. Um, Green Bay, Jair Alexander, really, um, you know, he'd been playing solid football, but he really came into his own last year, getting a couple of great matchups and doing well there. Uh, I think that's only going to continue. I don't see any reason why that would stop. And then how about Russell Douglas, a guy who was really, he had a foot out this league. He was going from practice squad to practice squad. And on that one fateful night, I happened to be there in person in Arizona. This was a guy that was on Arizona's practice squad and got cut from there. And he comes back and gets them in a big way, ended Arizona's undefeated streak, picking off a pass, covering uh, A.J. Green late in the fourth quarter, basically ended the game. It was the game winner, picked off a pass in the red zone versus A.J. Green and halted Arizona's win streak from there. He just took off, had a great year, I think four or five interceptions in 2021 and really made a name for himself. And then he followed that up with a really solid year in 2022. So I think Jair Alexander and Rasul Douglas are going to be a really, really good combo. They're probably some underrated guys out there uh, as well. But in terms of combos, duos, guys that you can really kind of expect some years from, from out of both guys, I think these are these are uh, some of those guys that 
we could look forward to. All right, so let me have a countdown here of the top three guys. Number three on my list, Trayvon Diggs and Stephon Gilmore. We all know about Stephon Gilmore. He's been a solid corner, very technically sound, very intelligent cornerback in this league. But with each passing year, kind of like what we do in the NBA with LeBron James, you just got to wonder how much Stephon Gilmore has got left. You know, at some point, a guy's going to turn into a pumpkin. Everyone does. Um, no one really walks out of this game at the top. No one really does the Barry Sanders thing. Um, you know, no one or does the John Elway thing right off into the sunset. That's really not usually how this thing goes. So, you know, at some point, Stephon Gilmore is going to turn into a pumpkin. I didn't see any signs of that last year. So uh, I think we can rely on Stephon Gilmore to be Stephon Gilmore this year. And then we know what Trayvon Diggs has been doing. He had the 11 interception season in 2021. He was a little more... Um, I don't I want to I don't want to use the word discipline in 2022. He probably took some less chances. I think teams avoided him more, but he was a little bit more controlled in 2022. And I think that makes him an even better corner. Yes, you'd love to have the 11 interceptions, but, you know, he may have gambled a little bit too much in 2021. And I think in 2022, he cleaned that up. And I'm looking forward to what he brings in what is going to be his fourth season. I think between Diggs and Gilmore, the Cowboys have a really, really good combo there. And I think we're going to see some really good stuff out of those two guys coming up this season. Number two combo for me is two guys that I loved watching last year, Darius Slay and James Bradbury. Between the... Look, it didn't matter if those guys were playing off or if they were impressed. You were getting good technical reps out of those guys. Darius Slay's feet continue to be quick out of a 30-something. Watching him in that pedal, getting out of that pedal, watching him flip his hips and do all of the things that you ask defensive backs to do, he's really, really good on those basic things. And at this point, he has a really high IQ playing the game. James Bradbury as well, especially when he gets in the press. Yeah, I know he got all the pub for you know, the holding um, penalty in the in the Super Bowl. Man, that wasn't his season. The guy had a really, really solid season. I wasn't sure what he was going to bring to the table when he left the Giants, but he found a home in uh, Philadelphia, and both of these guys are re-signed. They're back on the field, and usually when you get guys uh, coming back and they're comfortable now with where they're at, Bradbury in particular, because this is going to be a second year with the squad. I think we're going to get continue to get some really, really solid play out of Darius Lee and James Bradbury. I don't see any reason why that would fall off, and uh, I think they're probably the number two combo. So everyone should at this point know who I think is the number one combo. Call me being a hometown guy. Call me being a guy that's you know um, pushing for my guy, Xavier Howard, who I train uh, each offseason been doing so ever since his second year in the league but I don't think Xavier Howard gets enough pub probably some of that is you know every now and then occasionally you get beat I know in 2022 the guy nursed a groin injury for most of the year even still he still went out there and made his plays Xavier Howard has probably the best ball skills at cornerback out there uh, the guy's super intelligent, and my God, if there's anyone who finds a way to be around a football every Sunday, it's that guy. If he's not picking a pass off, he's getting a big pass breakup, or he's causing a fumble, or he's scooping up a fumble and running it back for a touchdown, he has just made that a habit. And now you get the big free agent pair up with Jalen Ramsey, who has been a solid cornerback in this league, a well-known cornerback in this league. That's a guy that um, you can have your way with some of these matchups you can you can figure some things out if you want to have Jalen Ramsey pressing a bigger guy 
all you know all game long you could do that um, if you want to have Xavier Howard playing off and using those instincts and ball skills to go jump some routes and I, and and one of the biggest reasons why I think this is going to be the best duo this year is the addition of Vic Fangio last year the Miami Dolphins were they gambled a lot in zero coverage they did a lot of blitzing and they kind of left the cornerbacks out there a lot and yeah if you're a big time corner this is what you're supposed to do in this league but the Dolphins did that more than anyone else and a lot of that is putting a guy like Xavier Howard with his back to the quarterback quite a bit and just doesn't make the best use of his best skills, which is using his IQ. Um, this guy really understands route combinations as well as his ball skills. So I think he's going to have a big year. I think Jalen Ramsey loves being down here in South Florida and playing for the Miami Dolphins. And I think he's going to really benefit from having a guy like Vic Fangio calling the defenses for him. So I think these two guys are going to make the top cornerback duo in the nfl this year hey what do you guys think you agree disagree you can reach out to me on twitter again 101 db tips on twitter or you can send me an email to c wilson and all i may read some of these comments uh, on air in our next podcast i'll be happy to do that but uh, that's just really how i see things going uh, in terms of the top duos out there i know there's a lot of fans out there and fans have a hard time being you know impartial it's not something that fans are really good at so you know if i didn't name your favorite corner or i didn't name your team's duo well that's tough it's too bad man that's how i see it i don't you know maybe i don't want to say i don't have any skin in the game but um by and large i think i approach this in an intelligent manner so um you know feel free to express your opinion on that as i think many will and again you can reach me on twitter instagram or send that email to c wilson at all eyes dbcamp.com all right final thing i want to talk about here is just a little educational piece for you know um, you know for your coaches as well but as well as the players guys that are getting ready for their seasons and uh you know kind of figuring out what is it that you need to have going into the season to be the best that you could be and it doesn't matter what level you're playing at youth football high school football college football pro football there are three things that I think all great DBs must have. And, um, you know, I think we're going to, you know, we need to make those things known. These are things that you have to keep in your head as you're preparing for the season, as well as when you're playing during the season. So, you know, if you're trying to be a great defensive back, uh, there's certain attributes you're going to need to have. And if you don't have them at this moment, you need to go about, working here over the next few months to get yourself as much of these things as um, you can within this two-month period. But um, I've been watching football for quite some time now. That's four decades, all right? Not to really date myself, but four dec decades of, of watching football. Um, obviously played high school, college football, uh, had my little time in the NFL and then, you know, coaching and training guys. I've seen a lot of things and I've seen guys that have been able to prosper with all kinds of attributes. Some guys have been tall, um, other guys not so tall. Some guys have been vicious hitters and while other guys would just get you to the ground. They were just solid tacklers. Despite the contrast in the tools and the styles, there are some things that I've found to be constant in all of the defensive backs that I think we've all called great. In the interest of you know giving this thing a focus i've narrowed down 
those tools to three of the things that I think we've found most important in, in all of the guys that we've called great. The first thing is athletic. I don't want to get on here and be corny and try and sell someone a dream. You have to be athletic to play defensive back. You can't have two left feet. You can't be you can't be dirt slow. You can't be, you know, you can't you can't be in a situation where you don't jump and you just can't change direction. That's just not being realistic. You're not going to be an all-time great if you are lacking athletic ability. All right? Now, notice I didn't say you had to be fast. I am also saying you can't be slow either. There've been some great defensive backs that have not had world-class speed. This does not mean that they weren't athletic. You simply can't be at the top of playing this position and not be athletic. Typically, the guys who weren't fast had some solid change of direction or leaping ability. These things fall under the category of being athletic. So, you know, chasing a wide receiver around the field requires that you not be born with two left feet. All right. You got to be an athlete. Having outstanding speed will certainly be a major plus for you. Being athletic, though, is an absolute must. What you will find out about many defensive backs is that they played multiple sports in high school. I'm a big proponent of this. And many of them were exceptional in another sport other than football. If you're going to defend the airways, you have to have some bounce to you. The second thing is awareness. Can you survive a defensive back without awareness? Yeah, but you won't ever be called great. You can be a hyper-athletic speed guy that the rest of this, you know, the rest of the secondary or some coach will have to babysit. We've seen those kind of guys. This kind of player is eventually going to drain the energy out of the people around him, right? And they'll eventually call this guy a bust if you just have no awareness. Deion Sanders, Ronnie Lott, Ed Reed, Charles Woodson, Rod Woodson, Darrell Rivas, Richard Sherman, you name it, all the guys that we've called great would all get high marks in the area of awareness. And I might say this is probably the most important skill to have. Some of these guys were all-time athletes, of course, but they didn't just choose to rely on that. You know, like Deion Sanders could have just relied on the fact that he was a 4-2-40 and, you know, he'd been dunking basketball since he was in high school. But the guy had awareness. He would study film. He knew the game. And that's evidence now he's, he's you know, a coach at a Division One football program, Power 5 football program. They coupled that athleticism with outstanding instincts and they used that to be in the right place at the right time. Some others that I had on that list that I just ran off to you, uh, they didn't. They had some physical shortcomings. They made up for it, though, with a football IQ that was off the charts. You simply can't be the best at this game without knowing what's going on around you. Athletic talent can only make you, can only make up, um, can only take you so far. Let's just be honest about that. Like I said, if you're just athletic and you have no awareness, you're going to drain the people around you. Coaches, surrounding players, they're going to have enough of you at some point. And the final thing, if you're going to be called great, is you got to have ball skills. All right? There's all the jokes out there about defensive backs became defensive backs because, you know, they couldn't catch at wide receiver. That's nonsense. That's from the old days. Not in this new era. In this new era, you catch the football as a defensive back. And some guys have better ball skills than actual wide receivers. Don't fall into that trap. Don't come over to defensive back. Don't play defensive back and think it's okay to be dropping the ball. Back in the days when they didn't maybe throw as much, you can get away with that. But if you on second and seven or six, 
drop an interception and you give that offense a third and six and they convert it. Now there's another set of downs. Now they get into your territory. Now they get in the field goal range and you, you know, you actually are giving up points when you drop those interceptions. So you got to have some ball skills. If you're going to be called great, can you kind of just be out there and you know, people will say, well, he was kind of good. Maybe, maybe, you know, you're really, really good at some other things. But if you don't have ball skills, man, they're just not going to be calling you great. You got to turn that ball over. You got to rack up those interception numbers. The easiest thing to do as a third skill would be something heroic like, you know, um, the guy has a burning desire to win. Well, all the great ones had that. I mean, that sounds good when you say it, you know, in a deep voice over a microphone. And that kind of stuff goes without saying, like I said, for all great players. I wanted to give you guys something specific with that third skill that you need. I want to give you something specific to playing defensive back. Great defensive backs have really good ball skills. You know, defensive backs, by and large, are measured by those interceptions. You got to turn the ball over. How many times have you been frustrated with a player who doesn't get his head around on a deep ball and or he makes a habit out of dropping picks that hit him right in the hands? And I talked about Xavier Howard's ball skills. That guy converts those plays. If you did everything you had to do, you used all your technique and you were fortunate enough through your skill to be in the position that you were in, be on a wide receiver's hip when that ball was coming, cash the check, make the play, catch the ball. You just don't see really great defensive backs dropping the ball like that. Many of the greats, could have made a living playing wide receiver. Let's be honest. You seen Ed Reed's hands? We know Deion Sanders play a little wide receiver. They would have never have done that if he couldn't catch the football. Rod Woodson, Charles Woodson, have you seen the way those guys catch, caught the football? Right? Even the ones who don't or didn't have five-star hands, at least they knew how to track the ball and get a hand on it so the wide receiver that they were covering wouldn't get the ball. Ball skills is not just catching the ball. Ball skills is tracking the ball. I know we've seen defensive backs that'll be on a guy's hip, can't track the ball, misjudge the ball, and then the wide receiver ends up catching it. Tracking the ball is part of ball skills. So, like I said, it's not just catching. It's being able to track it. Guys who struggle with being able to track the ball you know, eventually have to find another position or another sport. Put on some weight, go play linebacker, go hit people. So, in general, and recapping here, you need those three things. You need ball skills, you need awareness, and you need athleticism. If you are lacking in any of those areas out there and you're playing this game right now, get to work on that. Your awareness, you will fix that. that you can fix that. Start studying. You guys are in high school. Get those huddle films out. And you start looking at all of the games that you played last year against guys that you're playing this year. Get an understanding of how they, what they do on offense. If you understand the philosophy of an offense, man, it becomes a whole lot easier to defend yourself against what they're going to do. You kind of just have an idea of what they're going to do next. If you watch that film enough, you will get a philosophy on what it is they like to do. And suddenly you will know what they're going to do on third and five. You will know what they're going to do on first and 10 when they get to midfield. You are going to know the plays they like to run when they are backed up against their own end zone. Get the philosophy. Watch some film. Watch yourself on film. Watch your defense. Watch how you watch how your defense works. Your ball skills, man, you know you can work on that. 
There isn't a jugs machine at your school, man. Get quarterbacks that love to throw the football. Get in there and catch the football. Matter of fact, if they've got wide receiver camps where you're at, man, maybe you don't, maybe you skip a, maybe you skip a session with that DB, uh, the DB work and you go do what the wide receivers are doing and you catch a bunch of footballs. Fix your hands. And then your athleticism, man, you fix that in the weight room and uh, everything you're going to do this summer. Don't miss the workouts. Do all the running. Get all that stuff in. You know, all the agilities that you're going to do this off season. Take that stuff seriously. Don't ho-hum your way through it. And certainly don't miss those workouts. All right? Every time you go out there, it's an opportunity for you to get better athletically. All right. And with that, that wraps up the first Indie Drills podcast ever. If you're here today, you could say you were here for the first one. Who knows where this thing is going to go? I know it's going to be popular, though. I just have that feeling that this podcast is going to end up being really, really popular. And you could say that you were here for the first one. Before you leave out of here, though, make sure you subscribe, man, so you don't miss the next show. I'm sure you know these things are going to get better and better. Like I said, I just finally said I've been wanting to do this for quite some time. I just grabbed the mic and just started talking into this. I want to thank this platform, too, by the way. This was formerly, uh, well, it is podcasters run by Spotify now. Um, and so you know, I want to thank them for giving me the platform to do this. And um, allowing this podcast to be on multiple platforms, whether that's Apple Podcast or it's Spotify or Anchor, which is what this previously used to be, I guess Spotify, because they've got all the money now, went out and bought these guys. But, you know, I'm thankful for that. So, yeah, go ahead, subscribe to this. And um, I'm going to be coming at you with several more of these episodes. So I appreciate you guys checking into the first one. If you're trying to reach me on my social media, 101 DB tips on Twitter, um, 101 DB tips on TikTok, and um, you know, of course, all eyes DB camp on Instagram. And I appreciate all you guys following me there. Before you guys get up out of here again, I've got 101 DB tips ebook. Um, you guys let me know. I'm 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 thinking of making this a print book, but um, you know, right now it's just an ebook. And uh, again, the feedback has been great. Guys, get yourself a copy of it right now. The season is coming. The guys that have this book and are absorbing it are going to win. They're going to win this season. They're going to be better players this season. They're going to go to camps this summer and they're going to do really, really well. Uh, those guys are going to go into training camps and they're going to go into their practices, whether whatever level you're at, youth football, high school, college, NFL, and they're going to do really, really well just off of the stuff that learned out of this book. You might as well take this knowledge from all of my years doing this and uh, grab it and absorb it, and it's all in that book. So 101dbtips.com is where you can go and find a book. Again, 101dbtips.com. All right, I'm done hawking and trying to sell you guys all this stuff right here. I appreciate you guys listening to the show. Don't forget to subscribe, and until next time, Indie Drills Podcast, I'm out.